episode 125 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About November 2020. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as intellectual dishonesty, political bias, the Pennsylvania vote count, the Tenth Amendment, or court packing comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Bitshoot.com, Brighteon.com, ThinkSpot, and most recently, Rumble.com. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Clearly, the biggest story of the month was the presidential election, which amazingly played out just as the mainstream press and prominent Democrats, I know, I know, I repeat myself, just like they told us it would turn out. Remember how they opined that Trump would be way ahead when we went to bed election night, but then Biden would eke out a victory a few days later after all the votes were counted. How did they know that's how it would play out? Well, for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to hit some of the highlights of the election and the aftermath. Once all the dust settles over the next 30 days, I'll probably produce an entire episode on the election. So here goes. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia all claim to have stopped counting votes at the same time around midnight on election night. Apparently, the purpose was to remove Republican poll watchers from their posts as absentee and mail-in ballots were verified and counted. See, normally what happens is a representative from each party examines the mail-in ballots and makes sure everything's kosher. The signatures match, postmarks are correct, and whatever other election laws exist in that state. But without a Republican poll watcher to challenge potentially illegal ballots, guess what? A modern-day miracle occurred. Lo and behold, hundreds of thousands of Biden mail-in ballots flooded in overnight. I'm sure the fact that all these states acted simultaneously is just one big coincidence. I mean, surely there's no collusion. There's no election fraud. Not so fast. Tons of fraud has already been alleged in Democratic strongholds like Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. But despite the allegations, what do we hear from Trump haters, Democrats, and the mainstream media? I know, I know, I keep repeating myself. Well, we hear it over and over again. There is no evidence of voter fraud. No need to investigate. Then they moved on to, there isn't much fraud. And now we're at the point where they're saying, there isn't enough fraud to overturn the election. Oh, how nice it must be to be a bubble-living liberal or Democrat who can change their tune on a daily basis and never be called out for hypocrisy or inconsistency or intellectual dishonesty. So I'll pose to you the same question I posed on Facebook. Which is worse, allegations of voting irregularities and vote fraud that require investigation or blanket claims that there is no voting irregularities nor any vote fraud without any investigation? You tell me. So let's dive into some of the voting irregularities slash voting fraud allegations and evidence. As I've already mentioned, Republican observers were prevented from watching mail-in ballots being open. 
Voters allegedly arrived at the polls to discover other people had voted for them. Election officials were allegedly told not to look for defects in ballots and to backdate ballots. Ballots casting votes for Joe Biden and no other candidate were allegedly run several times through machines in a couple different states. Absentee ballots were accepted in Wisconsin without being applied for. There were alleged overvotes, with some precincts allegedly recording more voters than residents. Judicial Watch found 353 counties in 29 different states that had higher than 100% turnout. Residency requirements were ignored. Record numbers of dead people voted. In Nevada, we have seen evidence that 15,000 non-residents and dead people voted. Thousands of mail-in ballots in pristine condition were accepted, meaning they had no creases, which means they were not mailed in. Thousands of ballots with only a Biden vote were accepted, meaning no down-ballot votes. 90% voter turnout in Detroit. Statewide, it was 68%. Wayne County officials, that's Detroit, voted to certify the election despite the fact that 30% of the ballots cannot be verified. Republicans who voted against certification on the first vote were then threatened by another member of this council, whatever it is there in Detroit, an avowed violent Marxist who had made a series of violent tweets. He called them racist and threatened to dox them, putting their information out for the mob to come get them. What do you think the Republican members did? They flipped their vote. Then the next day, they tried to recant that flip vote, explaining that they were coerced. These inclusive and tolerant left-wingers are so tolerant and inclusive, aren't they? We have allegations of backdating of mail-in ballots by postal workers. A single computer glitch was found that awarded 6,000 votes to Biden and the Democrats that were supposed to go to President Trump and other Republican candidates. That was in Michigan. Well, 47 other counties in Michigan use that same software, so similar glitches might yield a discrepancy of, what, 100,000 ballots or even more? Perhaps this glitch was one of the more innocuous ones. Another glitch returned a Republican incumbent to office after he lost to his Democratic challenger. But the left and the Democrats and the mainstream media just want us to ignore all of this. A poll worker in Michigan filed an affidavit stating poll workers process ballots with missing signatures. They coach voters on who to vote for, guess who, Joe, and they were instructed to backdate ballots with a date of 1-1-1900 because it would override the system check. There are reports of a 4 a.m. dump in Wisconsin of 65,000 votes, 100% of which went to Biden. Similarly, in Michigan, there were 138,499 votes dumped at 4 a.m., 100% for Biden. There was a report in Arizona that poll workers forced voters to use Sharpies, thereby invalidating their ballots. And guess where they did this? In Republican strongholds. And of course, Trump was leading in Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and they all stopped counting, as I mentioned before, before the ferries visited overnight. At the end of the day, hundreds of affidavits were signed and filed with the courts backing up these allegations. There are witnesses, experts, and people who work for the voting machine companies currently testifying in court and to state legislatures. Now, let's discuss election anomalies, statistical and otherwise. As I walk through these, I want you to ask yourself, isn't it particularly perplexing that all statistical anomalies and tabulation abnormalities were in Biden's favor? In Georgia, Biden overtook Trump with 89% of the votes counted. But the next 53 batches of votes came in, Biden led Trump by the same exact 50 and 500% to 49 
95 hundredths percent margin in every single batch. They all had the same exact margin, leading to a slight Biden victory. In Pennsylvania, we know that 2.6 million mail-in ballots have been counted in addition to the nearly 4.2 million election day votes. We also know that Trump won election day votes 2.7 million to 1.4 million, which means Biden would have had to have won 76% of mail-in ballots to reach his total vote count. Consider this. 65% of the mail-in ballots were from registered Democrats. 24% were from Republicans, and 12% were independents. In order for Biden to have reached his current vote total, he would have to have won 95% of Democrat mail-in ballots, which is likely. He would have to have won 21% of Republican ballots, which is highly unlikely since exit polls showed only an 8% GOP vote rate for Biden. And he would have to have won 80% of independent ballots, Exit polls showed about a 50% Biden vote. I know that's a bunch of numbers on a non-visual medium, but suffice it to say, if you apply reasonable vote rates to the Pennsylvania mail-in ballots, Biden is about 200,000 votes short, and that's assuming 100% of the mail-in ballots are legal. Check out episode 122, The Truth About the Pennsylvania Vote Count, for a deep dive on that topic. How about the fact that President Trump received more votes than any previous incumbent seeking re-election? He received 11 million more in 2016 and lost the election. Really? Consider Trump's support amongst blacks was 50% higher than 2016. Biden's black support dropped below the magic 90% mark, which typically equates to a loss for Democrats. In the Rust Belt, Biden lost black support everywhere, except... Detroit, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. In those cities, every single black person apparently voted for Biden. Don't worry, folks. There's nothing to see here. How about this? Biden won a record low 17% of counties nationwide. He only won 524. Now, listen carefully. Remember that 524 number. Obama won 873 in 2008 and 689 in 2012. Biden's total, by the way, of 524 is less than Hillary's. Yet we're supposed to believe that Biden somehow received more votes than Obama when he won 300 fewer counties nationwide. Really? Republicans won 28 of 29 contested House seats, and Democrats were unable to flip a single state legislature. All but one county that has chosen every presidential winner since 1980 went for Trump in 2020. This is that bellwether county thing you keep hearing about. Essentially, there are five or six counties around the country whose votes have reflected the winner for 40 years until 2020. Nothing to see here, folks. And of course, we had historically low absentee ballot rejection rates, which is typically around 3%. In this election, it was closer to a 0% rejection rate. This despite the massive expansion of mail voting. The state of Georgia conducted what was described as the largest hand recount audit and recanvass in history. In fact, it was only a recount of the same ballots that were counted the first time. See, the problem is recounts are worthless when the potential problem are illegal mail-in ballots. See, once the outer envelope is discarded and no one is there to verify the signatures and or the fact that the person casting the vote is actually eligible, then the vote gets thrown in the pile with all the others. There's no way to go back and verify. The outer envelope is discarded. 
That's why it was so important to get rid of all those Republican poll watchers. Mission accomplished. The fraud was done at that point, the night of the election, when all the fraudulent votes were thrown in with the rest. The last bit of news from Georgia was that a judge, this is just a few days ago, he blocked, then unblocked Georgia from wiping or resetting their election machines. And then I think he came back and reblocked it. I don't know. I can't even keep track. But the question for all of you who consider yourself intellectually honest is, why would Georgia officials be determined to wipe their machines clean? Wouldn't they want to make it available for an audit? On the last day of the month, Republican state lawmakers in Pennsylvania introduced a resolution to dispute the results of the 2020 election. The resolution calls on the Secretary of the Commonwealth to withdraw the premature certification of the presidential election and delay certifying other races. In Arizona, we had a pro-Trump statistician, a guy named Matt Brainerd, who the FBI just asked to share his findings concerning his data-driven investigation into illegal and fraudulent voting. He said... His, he's confident that there was more illegally cast votes in Arizona than Joe Biden's current margin of victory. Quote, I have a high degree of confidence that the number of ballots that were cast that should not have been cast, illegal ballots, surpassed the margin of victory as it stands now. End quote. Another data expert with a name I can't even pronounce said that the only way for Biden to have caught up with Trump's lead in Arizona following Election Day is if votes came in 130% Biden and negative 30 for Trump. Then we have the Dominion software fiasco. Now, this is a system used across the country in multiple jurisdictions. Attorney Cindy Powell has been pursuing this angle of voter fraud, claiming the company is shady, to say the least, that they're involved with foreign adversaries to the United States, like China and Venezuela and George Soros. She claims that the system was designed to commit voter fraud, that it is easily hackable, among many other claims. She has lined up expert witnesses to testify that, based on the vote count data, they can prove massive voter fraud across the country. I guess over the next couple of months, we will find out if she can prove it. So, how does all this play out? Well, the Constitution provides a process for electing a president if the vote is corrupted or in question. So there's basically six scenarios that could happen. Jurisdictions could require a new election. That's not going to happen. Courts could start rejecting certain ballots. That's not going to happen. State legislatures could swap out the electors being sent to vote, meaning they would send Trump electors to cast the vote. That's not going to happen. The left-wing mob would descend on and burn down the homes of any legislator who did that. The Supreme Court could get involved. One possible remedy is to redo elections in contested states. That ain't going to happen. We have a coward chief justice, and we have three other activist judges— Sotomayor, Breyer, and Kagan. That's four. It'd only take one of the others to foil that plan. Another scenario is the states could refuse to certify the election, thereby denying Biden the 270 elector votes, thereby throwing the election to the House of Representatives, where each state has one vote. Republicans dominate the state coalitions. That is the only scenario that seems at all likely. And the final one, of course, is Trump could just throw up his hands and concede. I don't see that happening. By the time I publish The Truth about December 2020, I suppose we will have the results of all of these lawsuits and likely know for sure who the real president is. There was a march in D.C. in support of President Trump, dubbed the Million MAGA March. Then Antifa and BLM thugs started attacking marchers as the crowd dispersed and people made their way to their hotels, subways, or their rides home. Aren't they a lovely bunch, these left-wing mobs? Ugh. 
In COVID news, supposedly we have a COVID vaccine that will be available before the end of the year. I'll tell you what, you guys go first, and I'll decide if I want to inject that stuff in my body later. Speaking of COVID, the mask Nazis were dealt another blow in their follow the science, put on a damn mask or kill grandma cries. There was a report published by the Annuals of Internal Medicine that was all but ignored by the mainstream media and Dr. Fauci. I bet you 100 bucks that your preferred news outlet did not share the story with you last month. Anyways, the report, coming from this highly respected science outfit, performed a study on the effectiveness of wearing masks and COVID. A total of 3,030 participants were randomly assigned to the recommendation to wear masks, and another 3,000 were assigned to control. So basically a total of almost 6,000. Of those, about 5,000 completed the study. Infection with SARS-COVID occurred in 42 participants recommended masks. That's 1.8% of that population. And 53 people in the control group also came down with virus. Conclusion? The recommendation to wear surgical masks to supplement other public health measures did not reduce infection rates among wearers by more than 50% in a community with modest infection rates, some degree of social distancing, and uncommon general mask use. So last month, it was the great social media blackout or cover-up, depending on your perspective. The most prominent example was the lack of interest in the decades-long Hunter and Joe Biden corruption and influence-peddling scandal. The New York Post broke the story, the mainstream media ignored it, and Twitter closed the Post's account. This month, big tech and the mainstream media have treated the accusations of voter fraud and voting irregularities and a documentary critical of Antifa with similar lack of interest. Because, you know, there isn't any fraud, and Antifa is just an idea. In November, the great social media purge continued with conservative treehouse being removed from WordPress. You know, because they're conservative. MailChimp blacklisted several conservative groups. You know, because they're conservative. One American news network, OAN, was demonetized by YouTube. You know, because they're conservative. And AOC and others suggested that a list of all Trump supporters should be kept. You know, to get their heads right once the Dems gain control of government. Because, you know, the tolerant, inclusive left wing cannot leave any room for dissent or critical thinking. Nope. You are either with them or against them. Speaking of getting Trump supporters' heads right... Michelle Obama dipped into the persecution pool and tweeted the following, Let's remember that tens of millions of people voted for the status quo, even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. We've got a lot of work to do to reach out to these folks in the years ahead and connect with them on what unites us. Oh, isn't she wonderful? Such a role model for inclusion, diversity, and civility. Here's my reply. You mean lies like the Steele dossier, Russia collusion, impeachment, the Tea Party is a bunch of racist ter- terrorists, Helen hands up, don't shoot, Burisma? You mean hate like calling Trump supporters Nazis, racist, misogynists, sexist, xenophobes, homophobes, deplorables, fascists, and bigots? You mean chaos like Democrat voters rioting, looting, and burning cities, or Democrat operatives breaking federal and state election laws? You mean division like dividing the nation along racial, gender, sexual orientation, immigration status, political party affiliation, and wealth lines? While I'm talking about one Obama, I may as well mention the other one. 
our former partisan hack, leader of the free world president, who is now hawking his new 786-page book, he had this to say in an interview last month. He said the false claims about voter fraud are, quote, one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. He went on to say it puts the U.S. on a, quote, dangerous path, end quote. Here's a logical follow-up question that the average person could have come up with, yet the media just can't seem to muster the ability to pose. Mr. President, which do you see as more delegitimizing? Elections where there is evidence of massive amounts of irregularities and or voter fraud? Or Trump not conceding while massive amounts of irregularities and or voter fraud are being investigated? All over the country, we were treated to guest restrictions for Thanksgiving gatherings. It started in places like Minnesota and California, then the mayor of the murder capital of the country, Chicago. Then the CDC advised against travel, and most municipalities imposed restrictions on gatherings, while most law enforcement agencies just ignored them. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu secretly flew to Saudi Arabia last month to meet the Saudi Crown Prince and the U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. It marked the first known encounter between leaders of those two countries. I'm thinking it had something to do with Iran. What about you? General Michael Flynn was granted a full pardon by President Trump. If you have been living under a rock for the last four years and are unfamiliar with the persecution and prosecution of General Flynn, please listen to episode 106, The Truth About the Prosecution of Michael Flynn. My question is, will we be seeing pardons for Julian Assange and Edward Snowden before Trump vacates the White House? Listen to episodes 42 and 72 for details on both of those heroes. Late in the month, the Supreme Court struck down New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's draconian restrictions on religious services, saying in part, quote, even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten, end quote. At first glance, doesn't this seem like a victory for the Constitution? Mm, but it's not. Four justices dissented. Chief Justice John the Coward Roberts, in essence, said the court need not get involved. Sotomayor, Breyer, and Kagan dissented, saying New York had argued that these areas in question were in COVID danger areas, red or orange, as determined by the state of New York. So what do you think the derelict Cuomo will do next? He'll just go back and declare those red and orange and impose the restrictions. This is yet another reason why I hate the Supreme Court. Want to know more? Check out episode 16. Health officials in Santa Clara County, California, announced new coronavirus restrictions that prohibit the San Francisco 49ers from playing football games in their home stadium for at least three weeks. The Mercury News reports that the order includes a temporary ban on all high school, collegiate, and professional contact sports. If you haven't fled the loony farm of California yet, that's on you. Iran's chief nuclear scientist was assassinated. All fingers are pointing at Israel as they've been known to do such things. We'll see how this plays out in the coming weeks. And finally, I always like to talk about the markets briefly. So for the month of November 2020, this S&P 500 was up 11%. The Dow Jones was up 12%. Gold was down 5% and silver was down 4%. And that's the truth about November 2020. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Podcast.